Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm Travis Williams, your host. You're listening to Episode 7. Well, winter has finally decided to come here in Ohio. If you're listening to this pretty close to the air date, you know it's gotten pretty cold. Uh, We just had a a winter storm blow through. Today, I think the high is about 7 degrees, so a little chilly out there. Been uh, just staying inside and enjoying time with family as much as I can. Um, it's kind of a neat uh, experience yesterday. You know, we, we typically go to church on Sunday, and uh, yesterday church was canceled just because of how icy it was. So we got to do a little thing inside our house with my uh, my wife and my two kids, and uh, my mother-in-law was down visiting. And so we just had our own little church gathering, and, and that was pretty cool. Uh, it's not something I want to do all the time. I enjoy being with a bunch of people that I know and my family at church, but um, just kind of have our own little time, explain things to my little two-year-old. Um, it's it's just it's just funny to kind of hear her thoughts on on things that we do and and singing and um, so anyway that was kind of neat um, and uh, I'm pretty well done hunting I could go out and chase another buck but I'm I'm pretty well satisfied with the three does that I got and uh, tonight starts the indoor 3D bow league and I am pumped for that really excited to get in there start shooting my bow and get things tuned and ready to go for Colorado I'm headed out to Colorado this uh, coming September for an elk hunt so there'll be plenty of stories leading up to that and things but um, I tell you what I've, I've had a blast doing this podcast getting to meet some of you folks and I've, I really appreciate appreciate you guys reaching out and um, I, I constantly am kind of checking uh, on my uh, the, the spot where I do all the podcasts to see how many people are listening and those kind of things. And, and the thought kind of occurred to me uh, this past week, just how much time I spend on the internet or on my phone or checking those kind of things. You know, I make a post on Facebook and uh, or Instagram, and I immediately uh, will check within probably 10, 15 minutes to see if anybody liked it, see if anybody commented on it, or I'll go over and see how many of you guys have listened to the podcast. And I mean, I and I, I'm I'm thrilled that any of you would listen to anything that I say. So the fact that I've got a decent number of folks listening here to the first seven episodes is, is awesome. But I do think about uh, what the Bible says about this. Uh, Proverbs 29 says, The fear of man brings a snare or a trap, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Um, Man, sometimes I think we care a little bit too much about what other people think. Um, I know I do. I spend way too much time on social media, and part of that is just feeding my own ego. I post a picture and people like it and it makes me feel good, or I post a podcast and you guys seem to be enjoying it and that makes me feel good. But what really matters uh, when it's all said and done isn't really what you think or what uh, my friends think. I mean, I, I'm, I'm always open to advice and opinions. I'm not saying that, but, but what matters in game is what God thinks. Do I give him the time that he deserves? Uh, my phone started telling me how many hours I spend each week on my phone, and I really want to turn that off because I'm like, man, I spend a lot of time with my head on that screen. And I think sometimes we just need to lift our heads up, and maybe maybe right now <laughs> you might actually need to turn this podcast off and go, uh, go spend some time just uh, in creation. Uh, maybe if you pray, spend some time praying, spend some time with your family. It might be a good thing. Um, 
you know, I don't know if you've ever listened to a podcast where they told you not to listen, but <laughs> I'm just saying we need to think about how much time uh, we spend worrying about what other people think of us. And that comes down to even what we post. Sometimes you might shoot, some guys are okay shooting smaller deer and you're almost afraid to post those pictures anymore because you're afraid of what somebody will say. Or maybe if you're a guy, you're a guy you, you practice QDMA and all that, and you want to shoot like a mature buck, and you maybe maybe you're even afraid to shoot a giant buck because what's what do you do? People are what are what are going to? No, I can't talk. What are people going to say? They're going to say, "Oh, you shot that on a high fence." And, and we get so caught up in this in the hunting world, it, it bleeds all over the place where we. Uh, just worry so much about what people think of what we do, and maybe we just need to worry more about what God thinks. That's that's probably uh, what matters more. So anyway, there's my little soapbox sermon for you today. If you've listened through that, I do have a great podcast today, a uh, great interview. And um, so if you haven't been listening to too much social media and you want to listen, uh, I encourage you to do that. Got a guy on today. He's a local guy. Uh, his name is Mike, and Mike has a taxidermist shop over in West Virginia, close to where I live. And he reached out to me, and I went over there, and I did my first in-person interview. And uh, Mike did a great job. I will just let you know up front, my Mike uh, picked up a little bit of an echo doing this podcast where you have two mics sometimes if you don't get far enough apart or you don't know what you're doing like me um, you get a little bit of an echo so just a warning going in there's a little bit of an echo whenever I talk but whenever Mike talks there's none and so just ignore me the entire podcast listen to Mike and uh, we're going to kind of be getting into the bad news and the good news looking at maybe some times in, in your hunting career where things didn't go super well, and then taking a look at some times when it did, where it worked out. And Mike has some great stories. We talk about a lot of different species, but we zone in uh, toward the end of the podcast on how he was able to harvest a big, mature uh, elk in Kentucky. And uh, he, as a non-resident, drawing Kentucky was uh, just a, a miracle in of itself. And then he got into a unit. I'll let him tell you all about that. So if you bear with me a little bit on the echo, I'd appreciate that. And uh, without any further ado, we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. Here's Mike. Hey guys, I am here. I'm uh, live in person with Mike Bartonslaw. He's from Waverly, West Virginia. He's a taxidermist over here. He's also a firefighter full-time. And so, uh, Mike, just want to say welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me come down. Uh, I'm set up here in Mike's basement where he does uh, taxidermy. He's got some big mounts on the wall. Looks like some furs. I uh, see some turkey feathers. And he showed me this big uh, big rack of an elk over here that I think we're going to talk about in a little bit. So how's, uh, how's taxidermy going? Well, this year is going really good. Uh, this is about my sixth year doing it. And every year has been a, you know, an, a boost in business. I got... Uh, in at the Marietta Walmart this year, which has been a huge help. And uh, I was the featured taxidermist at the Rivers and Rails. Used to be the St. Mary's Bass Festival, but it, they changed the name to the Rivers and Rails. And I'm doing that again this year, the official taxidermist up there. And that's been good for business, uh, getting some exposure and, you know, meeting a lot of people, which is, you know, it's it's good. It's what I want. So that's uh, yeah. that's been a great a great plus for my business there. So. How did, Mike, how did you get into taxidermy? Tell us a little bit. I guess I jumped a little quick. How, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, and uh, how, how did you wind up doing taxidermy? Well, I've, I've always hunted my whole life, and I've kind of, you know, ever since high school, I've kind of had an interest in doing it, but, you you know, you're just afraid to jump out into something new. And I, I think maybe the older you get, the more you're, you're, you kind of want to do things and just you don't want to live with a whole lot of regrets. And, uh, a guy I go to church with is a, a taxidermist and has been for years, and I... I just asked him if I could just hey, can I come sit with you for a little bit and maybe pick up some pointers and uh, you know sitting with him and 
um, you just I just loved what what it was doing and you know I love talking about animals and hunting and you know when people bring their deer in they're all excited they want to tell you their story and yeah uh, you know and I love I just love doing it so yeah. it's been a so you know I think there might be some guys out there wondering um, if you wanted to get into taxidermy, what would be the first steps? What are some things that you would you would want to do? I, I want to hear your stories about hunting here in a little bit, but I, just for a second here, how, how would a guy do that? Uh, well, I mean, they have schools out there, and I, I'm not. I didn't ever went to a school. I, I just kind of, you know, it, there's tons of stuff online, and some of that you need to take with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, some story, some of the probably not the best methods, but uh, you know, talking with guys that have done it for years, uh, that, you know, that's the best. Uh, advice you can get because you're not going to be in the business long if you're if you're not very good at it or you know <laughs> if you know hair's falling out of deer and stuff like that yeah. so yeah. uh you know i take their take their advice to heart and you know and and you'll learn to tweak some things on your own because uh, you know what might work best for him maybe you find something that you know, works a little easier for you and and stuff like that so yeah has there been any uh, what's what's been the most unique thing that you've you've had to mount um honestly i don't you know deer that's that's kind of my that's my bread and butter um you know i'll paint a fish here and there and uh, i've got a couple uh they're called jacobs rams the four horn rams i don't know if you've ever seen any of them but uh, a couple guys have brought them to do but uh, i don't usually do anything too exotic because i don't want to get it over my head and it's easy to do and when you get in over your head i did a custom squirrel for a guy with holding a bow and arrow which was uh you know it looked okay to me but uh it was uh i don't know if i'll ever do one again because it was a lot of work the squirrel was holding the bow and arrow yeah yeah it's a kind of a cool man cave thing but yeah uh, Yeah. probably a one and done for me so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i wondered about that i thought there could be some interesting things uh, like that well uh mike let's talk a little bit about um you know hunting some of the hunting stories we're, we're kind of transitioning into this talking about the bad news and the good news so um you started out hunting as a young guy uh, what what was your what species were you always with deer or was it a little bit of everything i started uh, i just remember early grade school starting with squirrels i had a little single shot 410 and you know I'd, I'd go out with dad and we'd sit you know 15 yards apart or something we'd sit there and then we'd move on to the next place and i I would have no idea how many squirrels I killed in my lifetime, but, you know, I hunted squirrels for a long time until, you know, until you were old enough to, to handle a bigger gun that, that was capable of killing a deer. Yeah. And, but uh, it was definitely squirrels at the beginning. Okay. So, so you've hunted squirrels, got into deer. Uh, what else? Um, big turkey hunter. Love turkey yeah. hunting. But uh, other than that, you know, in, until the last few years, um, branching out, we went antelope hunting out west and then we went elk hunting out west and then we went down to kentucky for elk which was um you know we're branching out a little bit as far as north american game and stuff like that yeah i grew up in southeast ohio too and i think sometimes you're kind of limited on some of that stuff you know you do squirrels i grew up coon hunting which not a lot of folks did um you know turkey and deer and that's that's kind of what you're limited to yeah coyotes um you know there's a few other species but you know, so going out and and going after antelope. How did how did that come about? Uh, well, I guess you know I, I hunt a lot with my dad, and my uncle, and the older they get, the more you uh, and I, maybe the older I get, you know, those are memories that we're going to have forever. So yeah, you know, we're trying to uh, to go out and do stuff that you know normally we wouldn't wouldn't do. And antelope hunting was one of them, and and we didn't have any luck out there. And of course, that's hunting; that's how it goes. But. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, we saw a lot of sights that we'd never seen before, and yeah. um, it was still a good time, even though it was unsuccessful as far as being able to kill something. Right. Yeah. Mentally, I don't know if anybody's been antelope hunting, but mentally, it's a challenging game when you're, you know, you're sitting over water holes and stuff like that, and it can make for some long days when you're not seeing very much. You're, you're probably 14 hours sitting there, and oh, wow. it tests your mental strength. But, uh, I, th- I think any type of hunting where you don't see anything for that long just messes with you. Yeah, I mean, it's, you wonder why am I sitting out here? <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that's what they say. The hotter, the better, especially when you're hunting over water holes because you w- you want them to come and drink. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's it's not like you're sitting out in where we're used to freezing. It's you know you're sitting out there sweating, and <laughs> it can make for some long days. But what uh, yeah. do you have? Those are the things that, like looking at this topic, the bad news and the good news. And when we say bad news, you know, it's not always necessarily bad. There's things that teach us. But when uh, Mike, let's start with, I guess, maybe the bad news, if that's all right. When some other times, maybe when it, it hasn't worked out, maybe when it didn't come together. Well, and and like we had said earlier, I, I could probably come up with a book of, you know, maybe it's bad news or um, I guess maybe you should look at it as maybe educational times when, uh, you know, maybe you're trying to think too hard than what you should and mm-hmm. you know turkey hunting for the first few years was a huge learning curve for me because you know it's a, a 20 pound bird and it's out there outsmarting you all day long and um but you know the older you get you you uh maybe you learn some more patience i guess is one thing and uh maybe learn more about the animal that's that's kind of the, probably the biggest help is you yeah. you pick up more on animal you know behavior and stuff like that so yeah yeah i think you know we call it bad news but really it is it's it's all educational time in the woods there's nothing um i don't think that you can have a bad day being out there yeah it might not go the way that you want it to go but <laughs> yeah that's I, a that's the best way to look at it, i think i mean you i've had big bucks underneath of me this year i had a really nice buck under me at 23 yards and i just couldn't get a shot at him and he everything worked great i grounded him in he came running to me and then he just cut down wind and once he cut down wind i was like this this probably isn't good but uh you know it, it's upsetting because you you know you want it to work out but you got to respect i mean they're they're smart yeah. and they but once he cut down wind i, I knew that <laughs> it was going to get a whole lot tougher and it did but yeah still still wonder i mean to me having that buck standing there was yeah, what I'd love to have, you know, finished the deal, obviously, but, yeah. you know, maybe he'll be bigger next year. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, don't know. I think that's a good way to look at it, too, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I've had some of those moments, especially this year. I, I, I've been alluding to this on the podcast. I don't know if I've told the story, but this year, my one opportunity at a buck, I messed up. I had a 10-point buck come in, and uh, he came in perfectly. Absolutely perfect. He, uh, he never saw me. He came in, stopped, gave me time to get my video camera. I filmed my hunts, get my video camera pointed where there was this giant opening. Buck steps out to the opening, and for some reason, my hand was still on the video camera and not on my bow. <laughs> <laughs> and this buck just, uh, the bad news was I didn't even draw on him because at that point he looked up my direction so I couldn't move. And then he passed by the tree, and me being in a tree saddle, I had to kind of swing and get over to the other side where there was all kinds of junk and limbs, and I ended up, he busts me, you know. So, you know, you look at those situations, and definitely a learning experience, and one that you you kick yourself for. But but sometimes it does work out. So I'm I'm looking over here at this very big rack of a, uh, was it a 7x6 bull? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Tell, so tell us that story. This is a time that obviously it, it definitely worked out. Well, after the Montana trip, actually before that, I've been putting in for Kentucky because, you know, with with the taxidermy business, you know, taking off and doing pretty good. I've, this one of my goals in life was to go on hunting trips and, you know, maybe nothing exotic, uh, like going to Alaska and killing brown bear or something like that. But, you know, hunting North American game that we don't have around here. So mm-hmm. uh, so I, I put in for Kentucky probably about five years yeah, with no luck and you know it, it's a there's no points system there or anything like that it's right. just a lottery every year and um so anyway I put in and I completely forgot about it and I got a message on Facebook from somebody I didn't even know say congratulations you, you drew for bullfire on week one and I was like I had forgotten about it actually because yeah. you know I hadn't been drawn in the past and so anyway, I got on the website, and sure enough, I got drawn for, you know, week one, a bull firearm, which is, you know, other than archery, that's, you know, that's a pretty good draw. So, What are the odds on something like that? Uh, well, I don't think they have the odds out there. I haven't found the odds this year, but uh, last year was like 1 in 760-some. So, you know, to get drawn for that, to me, was just amazing because, you know, I, I just go through life, I, you know, you don't... Don't hardly win stuff or stuff like that, yeah. but uh, but so I was super happy about that, and super happy that you know I'm a state away. So scouting, I instantly started thinking, well, scouting opportunities. You know, I don't have to dedicate a week to go out there and scout, and the expense of it was you know a four hour drive, right. pretty much. So, uh, so how, after how I got, did you go about scouting? Sorry to interrupt. Well, after I got drawn, I, I put in for the. Uh, you can put in for special hunting areas. Actually, what I did was I called their uh, Fish and Wildlife, and they're wonderful people to talk to. Everyone I came in contact with was very pleasant, very helpful. Um, the whole experience was wonderful. Um, so I called them. I said, listen, I'm from out of state, and there's acres and acres and acres. I need to know, if, if you were me, where would you go? You know, get me started somewhere. And he said, well, I would put in for LEAs which was completely new to me. I had no idea what those were. Yeah. And uh, there's a few of them in the state. <clears throat> so uh, we were talking about those a little bit. But, um, you know, there's uh, just a small chance of getting drawn on those too. But you, you can't get drawn if you don't apply. Right. So um, we talked about it, and, and and he said, well, if I was you, I would put in for these ones, which Prestonsburg was the one that I put in for uh, as my number one choice. And lucky enough i got drawn for that so uh when you get drawn for an lea you can only hunt that area so Mm. that limited me on my scouting so uh the property is owned by um, booth energy company and uh i'm not sure how many acres are there it's a bunch uh, but it's old coal property basically is what a lot of it is um which is a lot different from hunting out west you know when you get down there usually the the elk come to the bottom in the evening and then go up and uh you know, it's usually the opposite. You know, they'll come up on the flat parts to feed during the mornings and stuff, and then they'll go back down in the woods or up in the woods, depending on where that flat spot is. But okay. uh, so, <clears throat> after getting in contact with them, they, um, the employees there, because there's still a couple that work there. This is not fenced-in property or anything. Now it's posted; uh, they, it's private for for that company, but. Um, they they take you down and they sh- give you some maps and they'll even drive you around. Of course, right when we went through, the, they have a guard shack there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went through the guard shack about 300 yards and there's, you know, I've never seen a bull 
in real life. Okay, so there's four <laughs> bulls standing right there, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, so is there a um, point restriction or anything like that, or is it anything? No, nope. they okay. said they said you can kill whatever you want, and they they boost a very high kill percentage there, uh, and. Uh, a lot of people are like, well, that means it's just a slam dunk. It's not because you're hunting on your own. You're not, you know, there, there are still some people that work there and there's certain archery areas. And those are the, the archery areas are the ones that are close to where people are working, but the firearm areas are on off, you know, out in the distance. But, uh, you know, as far as, uh, oh, the, restrictions there isn't any but there's big bulls there so that's what they tell you they're like Mm -hmm. the season started on a saturday and they said saturday and sunday i wouldn't shoot unless it's a big one if you're gonna hunt all week you know pace yourself okay because especially for guys like me that never seen a bull i'm like oh that's a pretty nice one they're like (laughs) well you better wait a minute you know stuff like that but right uh they're extremely helpful down there and it it was a wonderful experience and uh you know every time i went out um we hunted a lot hard in the morning and then hard in the afternoon because once they get in the the big uh, woods, um, it's hard to describe because it's so different from here. You know, that stuff that you're walking through is like four or five feet tall, and, and it's mm. hard to navigate it have any kind of stealth to you at all. Yeah. I mean, anything within a you know, half-mile radius is going to see and hear you coming because you're making so much noise. So who who are you? Uh, do you have people with you on this trip? Is it? Yeah, it was uh, the original plan. Um, I could take um, two other guys with me, mm-hmm. and um, so I picked my dad and my uncle. Obviously, you know, I will go down as. And uh, anyway, my mom had surgery, and she was in the recovery phase, and my dad couldn't get away. So um, got a good friend at work, Bob uh, Smith is his name, and he. Uh, I asked him if he wanted to go. He he loves hunting more than I do, I think. And, uh, of course, he said, yeah, because this is, you know, even even though you don't get a hunt, to go down is an experience. Yeah. So uh, my uncle and Bob went down. And, uh, and my uncle, you know, I hunted early with my dad. And my uncle hunted just as much as we did. I mean, November's was spent in the woods with yeah. us, basically. So uh, it was awesome to share with him. I wish my dad could have been there. Yeah. But, you know, that's... That's how stuff goes, you know. But uh, no, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So, on a situation like that, is that um, you're not backpacking in, right? You're, are you driving each day and kind We're, of going? They up have in, gravel or? roads um, all throughout the place, and and really, um, that's another thing where it's not like out west where you got to pack in for two days and mm-hmm. stay in camp. Um, you know, you'll you'll drive these roads, and there'll be big, huge open fields, and some of them. Um, some of them you can see from the edge of the road and some of them you need to step out in a little bit. Um, but there's, they're glassing areas basically is what it is. And, uh, you know, you just hit those areas and if you see one that, and it could be, you know, it could be over a mile away, uh, then you got to make a move on it and stuff like that. But, uh, Saturday morning, the first morning, um, within a half an hour of legal shooting time, I already had to cross hairs on a bull and, I was like, this is, this is unreal. This is going to happen, you know, to me on the first morning. And, uh, anyway, because of the hills and the mountainous terrain, uh, the fog rolled in and the fog got in between me and him. And when the fog finally lifted like 35 minutes later, 45 minutes later, he was gone. And we're like, what in the world? Where do they go? You know, (laughs) but, uh, I'm actually, 
uh, I'm actually glad it happened because I got to experience more of. Yeah. I didn't get a. There wasn't an opportunity. Um, every time I went out, I had an opportunity to okay. kill something. Now, I mean, I saw bulls every single time I went out, which is, you know. I went to Montana two years ago. I never even saw an elk, other than when we were coming back through Yellowstone. You know, saw everything but elk. But uh, <laughs> which so Saturday you see this bull fog goes by. Uh, take us over the, like the next few days before you you did pull the trigger. What uh, what happened there? It, well, Sunday, um, even though you have a firearm tag, you can still hunt archery. And so I took. Um, I have an old bow, and I didn't want to take it because. Uh, I don't have very much range with it, and I didn't want to be tempted to just shoot past my range. But I do have a crossbow, and they have cro- they're legal down there. And uh, so I went ahead and took it, not expecting to use it, but my, my crossbow was dialed in. I knew that that wasn't the issue. I just didn't figure I'd be in the archery zone. Well, come Sunday evening, um, Sunday Saturday evening, we had a little, I think he was a 5x6, and don't get me wrong when I say little, most places he would have been great. But knowing what what we had there um, and seeing that bull in the morning, knowing I had a week to hunt him, I thought, I'm going to hold off on this one. And uh, Sunday morning was pretty flat. Uh, we did see a couple small bulls, but nothing, uh, nothing we felt like making a move on. And then Sunday evening in the archery area, um, I actually had an opportunity to a really nice bull significantly bigger than that one and uh anyway i shot shot placement and we have it on like a little sketchy camera because we were trying to work the camera but things were happening fast and it just didn't pan out very good but we have the shot on video and uh it looked good i just don't think we got the penetration we needed Uh, if i had to guess it either hit a rib or now we had blood and we tracked we tracked Sunday night for a few hours and most of the day Monday. Um, and we even brought a, they even brought a dog in. And that was the the guys that work there. They're like, well, we got a guy that has a dog and a tracking dog. And, you know, they brought him in, which was, you know, of course I felt awful. Because yeah. in a way you almost feel like, man, I screwed that up, you know. and But really, when you look back, I just don't know if there was anything I could have done differently. Or yeah. it's just... Bad. That's hunting, you know. Yeah. You've, you've probably heard that before. But. Did you call this bull in, or how did you how did you get your uh, shot this, on this one? Well, they, they were still um, bugling and okay. and herding cows up and stuff, and, and we just happened to be in the right place at the right time there. And uh, we actually we had it was almost an unreal scene because we had this bull who was standing right in front of me and just off to his side was another bull and this bull had been you know he'd been thrashing around in the weeds he had weeds all over him and he was a pretty nice bull too but this one was a little bit bigger and he was closer so uh, i think that shot that shot was less than 30 yards oh, wow. and uh lessons learned there and that maybe that's more of the bad news thing but um heavy broadheads are what you want and you know, I don't think the broadhead was heavy enough, and uh, you know the crossbow. I guess maybe if I had a longer shaft on the arrow, uh, maybe a vertical. But I don't know. You know, you can what if everything, but yeah. uh, just unfortunate that it happened that we couldn't recover him. So you don't shoot, you don't recover this deer on Monday. How how are you feeling at this point? Are you still confident that you're going to have success, or are you having your doubts at this point? Well, Sunday night, I still felt good that we were going to find that bull because. Yeah. Um, and I think one other thing, maybe we, 
we tracked a little too early and I'm sure other people have been in that situation where you, you're like, I have to go. I have to go try to find it. Even though in the back of your head you're going, you should just give it some time and let yeah. let nature, you know, let it happen. But, uh, you know, and we found some good blood. And then, you know, I, I'm not sure how far we tracked uh, zigzagging through the woods. But, uh, you know, you just get to the point where the blood's not there anymore. It's just They're amazing creatures. Yeah. Uh, same thing with deer. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody has a deer story where they've tracked blood and it just dries up and... You have no idea how. Yeah. But. So come Monday evening, um, yeah, I'm bummed. I'm bummed because as gracious as they are, I, I don't want to be the person that come, you know, wounds elk and stuff like that. That's not. That's not. As a hunter, you want the quickest kill possible. Right. And but uh, so come Monday evening, we had a little six by six in front of us, but he. He just wasn't in the same class as the two I'd seen and the one I'd shot at. So come Tuesday morning, it had uh, stormed right before dark. Actually, going out there, uh, we stayed uh, probably about 20 or 30 minutes away. Mm. And the whole time, it's pouring the rain down. I'm thinking, well, this might not be any good. But, you know, you got to go because you're only there for a week. And sure enough, you know, as daylight's breaking, the rain stops and there is, you can hear some elk bugling, and we had that, I think it was the same little 6x6 six six in front of us again, and I still wasn't ready to, you know, I wasn't ready to end the hunt with that, yeah. knowing we had some days left. So, we were just driving down the road, going to other lookout places, and then uh, we happened to notice one as we were driving, which ended up being this one, and he, he caught our eyes immediately, we didn't even need the binoculars, mm. so... Uh, yeah, we made a move on him, and I think I shot him at 50-some yards. Okay. So, so now this was with the firearm. Okay, so you're driving. You see this giant bull. How do you how you set up on him? Do you just get out of the truck, or what's Well, we, we just kept going because um, at the time, he I, I wouldn't know how far he was from the road, but he was close enough that if we'd have got out right there, probably wouldn't have been a good situation. Right. So, and another thing about elk, at least, uh, you know, all the elk down in that area, they're very curious animals. So if they if they bolt, they might only run, you know, of course they can cover a lot of territory. Maybe they run 50 yards, but they'll turn around and look at you. So so we, anyway, we just drove on up the road, and there was no hardly any wind, n- nothing noticeable. And we just stalked our way back, and he was still in that field. Oh, wow. uh, so we were able to. So you got within 50, about 50 yards of him. 50 yards was the final shot. I, I ended up putting three in him with the 300 wind mag oh, wow. before he finally... But, uh, and, you know, that's one thing they tell you because there's fields, they're usually on top. They said, you know, try to get them down in those fields because if they run down in those steep valleys and in those steep ravines, you know, it's a, it's a terrible pack out job, you know, (laughs) it's very difficult to do. But, um, yeah, the ended up putting three, three and three shots in them and that's, uh, he dropped right there. Oh man! So I, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm just like in awe how big this uh, this deer or this not deer this elk is. So you come upon him, and you you get your hands on the antlers. What's that like? I mean, what's what's the experience like to get a bull of this caliber down? Well, for me, I mean, it, you know, obviously I've never shot anything like this in my life, and you know, this kind of the whole experience comes at you. You know how the low of Sunday evening. 
and then you know then you're on a high and you're kind of still in a low on Tuesday because you're still kind of bumming about it and but then you know things change I mean we're talking less than 15 minutes from the time we saw them to the time we were able to you know put them on the ground and that it's a huge emotion swing there yeah. so but you know I I knew the second I saw them that was one that I wanted you know that was that's a trophy bull down there right. and I'm is there bigger ones down there? Yeah, probably. I bet you know. He was, he was nice. He yeah, was. He is nice. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, talk to us a little bit about you know we're talking about maybe and we've covered a range of you know animals here, but just in general, if if somebody's getting into hunting or maybe they've been doing it for a few years, based off kind of the bad news and the good news, what are some tips? Um, maybe some advice you might give to to one of those guys that. Uh, maybe they want to go after an elk, or maybe they want to, you know, harvest uh, any type of animal. What, what general advice would you give to a new hunter? Um, well, I guess the biggest, the, probably some of the biggest things are you need you need patience, and you're going to have failures. That's just hunting in general. So, um, I guess my best advice is to learn from them and learn learn about the animal, learn the animal's behavior, and uh, you know, you watch the professional hunting shows, and of course they hunt every day, so they can pick what days we're going to hunt you know when we work five days a week we get two days to hunt pretty much and that's you know so we're out there hunting in bad weather and stuff like that and um you know just you have to be out there if you want to kill something you can't kill anything from the house so um i just you're gonna you're gonna have mishaps you're gonna have use them as a learning experience and say well okay you know, like a deer running downwind, that once he does that, you know, is the shot, is it hunt over with? Absolutely not. Now, is it bummed out that the big buck just took off running? Yeah, but, um, you know, I, and especially when you get into the more deer you kill, if you want to start hunting more trophy bucks and stuff like that, yeah, you know, it obviously gets harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, just enjoy the time you have out in the woods. I mean, that's... Uh, you know, I have a daughter now that's old enough to hunt, and that, you know, to me, I think as a, as a parent, you just, I just want her to see something. You know, just, yeah. to, you know, you're you're praying, just please God, just let something walk out. We don't have to kill it, but you know, <laughs> for her sake, I just want her to, because that's what always, you know, boosts your enthusiasm. It's hard to teach a young kid patience, you know, and 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 sometimes for us, when it's twelve degrees outside, it's hard to sit out there and be patient, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes patience pays off. Yeah, and, and I think <clears throat> before we went uh, started hit the record button here, you uh, mentioned that that prayer was answered this year, so she was able to get a deer. Yeah, yeah, she uh, she has been hunting with me before, but this is the first time, and uh, I'll forever be grateful that people were able to use crossbows because you know it enables young kids, younger kids, to come out and hunt because they want to, but most kids especially her i mean you saw her she can't pull back a, a bow at the right weight to right. kill an animal yeah. uh, now with the crossbow she can do that and uh you know so i've taken her out hunting before and she's always been my good luck charm because every time we go out we see deer we see deer all the time and uh anyway she wanted to go real bad and i always asked her i said well what do you want to kill you want to kill a buck or a doe or and she said, well, I want to kill a big buck. And I said, well, okay, let's, you know, you never know when you go out. So, <laughs> so anyway, she, uh, uh, I think it was October 21st, 
and it might even I might have my days messed up. Anyway, uh, it was a perfect evening. Anyway, we went out and we have a buddy stand set up so her and I can sit in it. And it wasn't 45 minutes. Here comes this little buck, and he's being chased by another buck, and they're fighting. And of course, I'm telling her what's going on. I'm just like, oh, look at that buck. He's angry at that other one. Anyway, they run right over a 20 yard shot, perfect broadside. And she <laughs> she puts on a clinic because she shoots better than I do. Yeah. Uh, that deer ran, I think, 30 yards, dropped every day. Oh, wow. Of course, you know, I think I was more nervous than she was because I just, you know, I don't want her to feel the hurt of missing the animal yeah. or something like that. But And I know it, in time it's going to be inevitable, but. Uh, it just worked out perfect that night. So. That's great. I'm going to ask you, it could be a tough question. Which was more enjoyable, shooting this elk in Kentucky or watching your daughter get her first buck? <laughs> well, uh, you know, from from my standpoint, uh, you know, seeing her kill, seeing the excitement after knowing that she did it, you know, that yeah. that's what she wanted to do, and she was able to do it. And, and the fact that I was able to be there with her was, to me, is a huge you know that's i would you know i only have two girls so and most guys are like oh i want a boy to go do stuff with and you know uh, i don't have that option but you know i have a girl that loves being outside just as much as i do and that you know to me that's uh that's a blessing i mean i i want the older we get i want to you know i would love to take her on an elk hunt when she gets older if she still has an interest in it but uh you know for for the reasons of you know being an adult being a dad i'm you know i'm I'm more tickled that she was able to kill one she put a perfect shot on it and you know she uh she was more squared away than i was at that moment so (laughs) yeah i think you had a pretty good 2018 you know being able to have both of those experiences Uh, that's that's awesome man yeah congratulations but even turkey hunting we me and my uncle we each killed one on the first day and that you know that's as much as I love deer hunting, uh, turkey hunting's pretty hard to beat when they're all making noise in the morning. So, have, have you played the lottery recently? I'm just curious. <laughs> that's you what might every, want to consider it. I'm just that's <laughs> what everybody says. And, and you know, the the guy I learned the most of my taxidermy stuff off of, he said, "You don't know how lucky you are getting drawn for Kentucky." And and you know, it was it when they boast how good their success rate is down there you're thinking well that's you know that's a selling point they want but mm-hmm. you know seeing elk every time you walk out is amazing and it's you know it's it's good management and they're doing it right and i hope you know w- with west virginia now starting in the elk i yeah. hope that you know they're paying attention to what's happening next door because uh you know the financial the economic boost uh for the state would be great you oh, know awesome. i mean we have yeah. uh our 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 state's mainly outdoorsy, um, you know, based anyways. And, and to throw elk in that mix would be, you know, huge, I think. Yeah, I'm very excited to see how that goes. That's really cool. Um, so, yeah. Well, Mike, um, if guys want to uh, check out some of your taxidermy work or, or want to look up um, Mike's taxidermy, how would they do that? Yeah, I have a – I don't have a, for say, website, but uh, facebook.com uh, backslash mtaxidermy. And uh, – you know, I have a business card set up at the Marriott of Walmart, and it, I'm on Google, too. So if you Google Mike's Taxidermy uh, in Waverly, um, 
it should pop right up there. So. Yeah, and for anybody that's listening in the surrounding area, Waverly is, is pretty close to Marietta, Parkersburg, Belpre area, uh, down here along the southeast Ohio uh, section. So uh, I'd definitely encourage you to come check out Mike's Taxidermy. And uh, Mike wanted to say thanks so much for, for coming on and sharing the, the a lot of good news, it seems like, but there was some <laughs> bad there too. But yeah, well, I sure appreciate it. the opportunity. It's been fun. Yeah, well, thanks, man. All right, there you go, Mike from Mike's Taxidermy. And if you made it clear through that, thank you for listening. Thanks for tolerating my uh, echo, 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 echo. Uh, quite annoying. And I will have that fixed next time I do an in-person interview. I, I found out through podcasting forums that that is kind of the, the kiss of death. And uh, <laughs> there's not much you can do to fix it. I didn't want to ask Mike to have to tell the whole story again. But I will definitely have Mike on again. He has some great turkey uh, hunting stories. He seemed to be excited about sharing some of those. So uh, turkey season's on the horizon. Horizon. I'm, I'm starting to get excited for it, so we'll have some of those stories for you coming up. Uh, once again, uh, I will not tell you this time to go and do all the sharing and liking and all that stuff, just because at the beginning of this episode, I kind of hinted that it's not all about that. Um, if you want to, great, but if you don't, that's fine too. I just want you to enjoy this podcast, and I uh, hope it's a benefit to hear some of these stories, learn from some of these guys, and uh, if that's good for you, then that's good for me. So anyway, thanks for checking it out, and remember, show the light.